0: To the conference this weekend, uh, the things that Elle was reading there, are the, there's six breakout sessions that will happen uh, that you have an opportunity to go to. So the schedule, the way it's run, is Friday night. So this Friday night is the first session. Uh, it's a big group session. Uh, Pastor uh, from out of town, Cornell, I can't remember his last name, but uh, he'll, be, he'll be joining us uh, Friday evening, and then Saturday morning there's a session, which would be session two, and then there's two breakout sessions. So during those two breakout sessions, you can choose one of those six things or so that L read. Uh, either he- hearing from God, prophetic prayer, divine healing, and you get two options. So it's like, ah, which one do I want to go to? It's difficult to choose. But you get to go to two different ones and then they do another uh, final session uh, in the evening. Uh, lunch is provided uh, with the cost of registration, so there are some cards in the back if you want to you know take one of these or scan it, go online uh, visit Erie first. Uh, you can get the information there as well but we 're looking forward to it uh, we 're doing one of the sessions as well, so uh, we 're yeah, don't come to ours. You probably heard everything I have to say. Most of it, so go to a different session. Uh, how many pastors encourage their people to go somewhere else? That's me right now. Uh, just go to other, just hear other things, man. God is so good. He, he, he works. Yeah, Kevin Nelson's doing one of them. Uh, the friends, Paul friend and Matt friend. Uh, are both doing different sessions. Nicole Schreiber is doing a session. So all local pastors are doing the breakout sessions, and then we're bringing in pastors from out of town to do the main session. So looking forward to that. Uh, It's going to be great. Okay, uh, offering. I have a verse this morning I want to read uh, out of 2 Corinthians 9, um, starting in verse 7. And we've been kind of walking through 2 Corinthians 9 here uh, as we've been doing uh, a little series on, on tithes and offerings. Says, so let each one give, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so I always, I'm always amazed because we, obviously we sit up front. And so when we put the offering buckets up here, I always love watching people come and bring their offering because I've yet to see in our church, by the grace of God, thank you, Lord, anybody bring in their offering one of these ways? (laughs) Yeah, pastor going to talk about money again. Here we go. Right? No, not, not in our church, baby. I mean, I maybe that doesn't happen anywhere. I don't know. But our church is a cheerful giver. You know, our church gives above and beyond the Ephesians 3.20. I love that verse. And verse 21, he just does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. And I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for the giving nature of our church. I'm excited that we're going to raise the money to ship all 300 shoeboxes. Amen? $2,700. We're going to raise that money as well. But God is so good. He is so faithful. And I believe every bill paid, not just at the church, but in, in everyone's lives as well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Father, we trust in you with our finances. Completely trust in you. So, Lord, we just pray a blessing over every gift, every giver. Father, we pray over these boxes as we begin to pack them and get them ready, that those 300 boxes will just be received with open arms, not just for the things that are in them, but for the message of the gospel that comes with them. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that lives will be changed, hearts will be moved towards you. Father, and that the impact will reach for generation after generation. Father, we thank you for all you're doing and working in our church and our families. And Father, I just pray over this message this morning that it will be your words, not mine, to share with this church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to get into Matthew chapter 18. We're continuing the series on offenses. Again, I've explained last week, I know this is football season. I know Penn State won again last night. Woohoo! Yeah, they're 3 0, that's right. Uh, for those who don't know me, uh, I am a huge football fan, specifically a Penn State Nittany Lion fan, uh, but they're doing great this year, so I'm still in a happy mood based on football. Uh, but we've been doing a series on offenses. This is actually week number five. So, week one, we just talked about what offenses are, and the Greek word used in the Bible in Luke. Uh, for, uh, for an offense is called Scandalon. And it basically talks about the trap, the bait. And we called it the bait of Satan, uh, referencing John Bevere's book. But there are so many great things, I encourage you to read that book as well. But the bait, what it is, what it looks like. Week two, we talked about not offering the bait. You know, woe to him or her who brings an offense. We talked about how to live our lives in not bringing offenses or even offering that bait to others. Then we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about how not to take the bait. Because the Bible says it's impossible that they're not going to come, which means they will come. And we walked through, what does it look like to not walk into the trap and get stuck with that offense, and how to work through that. And then last week we said, hey, guess what? We're all human, and we've all walked into the trap, Willingly, unwillingly, and we got stuck in the trap. And we worked last week about how to get out of the trap once we were in it and once we were stuck. And so this week, we're going to kind of continue this this series and we're going to talk about how to reconcile. How to reconcile. So it's one thing to get out of the trap, but it's another thing to actually walk through the process of reconciliation with a fellow believer. And I think it's important to understand what that looks like. we're going to walk through kind of Matthew chapter 18 so that we can understand, you know, the, the, the biblical way in which we need to reconcile. So what I'm going to do this morning, which I've typically been doing, is I'm going to read parts of this scripture and then I'm going to stop and just talk about it for a minute. And then I'm going to give you five points again. Everyone's happy with the five points? Okay. Yep, not a three-pointer, but a five-pointer. We're going even deeper this morning. We're going five points, and they will be on the screen again. Okay, all right, this is week two, two in a row. I'm going to set you up for a potential offense. One week, I'm going to come in and not give this, I'm going to not give the points up there. I'll be like, let's test everybody and see how we're doing on offenses. No points on the overhead today can't believe he did that to me, right? No, it's okay. So here we go. So how to reconcile. First, let me say this. Reconciliation is hard. It's hard. It's hard to do because you're not reconciling with someone that everything is hunky-dory with, right? Right? Like, it's, easy. I mean, this, when you're reconciling, that means something was broken. There was an issue. There was something that broke. There was an offense that was taken. There was a sin that happened. There was something you have to do and get over and work through in order to reconcile. So, guys, this is hard. We're human. I get it. This is hard. And there's a responsibility here, and we're going to talk about where this responsibility lies, but a lot of times it resides in both places, in both parties of this. Now, I will tell you this before I start, that when we preach the Word of God and we teach out of the Word of God, and you get a revelation, it's called an illumination, or a revelation, Which means once you have it and have been taught it, the Lord expects you to do it. So I'm gonna give you a chance now. If you'd like to leave, (laughs) before I get into the process of reconciliation, I'm gonna turn my back and I won't even look. Y'all can, if I turn around and there's nobody here, that's okay, I get it, it's hard. I'm gonna turn around just for, no, I'm just kidding, but sort of. What I want you to know is, like, this isn't, like, optional stuff. This isn't just like, hey, you know, that was a nice message. I felt really good or didn't feel that great or the Holy Spirit convicted me. We give these messages so you can grow in Christ. So you can grow in your walk with the Lord and what the Lord wants to go do and what the Bible says for us to go do. So these are difficult things I'm talking about, and I get that. And I just want you guys to be aware of that, okay? Now, first of all, I just want you to know that this also it's talking about relationships with fellow believers. And this process we're going to talk about this one, not that it doesn't work with someone who is an unbeliever, but it's primarily focused for two believers that need to have a reconciliation. And you'll see why here in a minute. So Matthew 18... Oh, I wrote this down. This is not for the faint at heart. It's time to put your big boy and your big girl pants on. I don't know know where that originated from. Your big boy pants, your big girl pants but it's time to put them on, okay? All right, here we go. Matthew 18, verse 6. And again, there's a lot of parallels here to Luke 17. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him or her if a millstone were hung around their neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Guys, this is Jesus talking. Okay, can we just, you know, I know Jesus is love, and he showed love, and he went to the cross, but Jesus sometimes has some pretty strong words for us to live by and to abide by, like some serious stuff, and he, I mean, offense is a serious thing that he wants to deal with, because he understands, we talked about this way back in week one, what offenses lead to, offenses lead to betrayal and hatred and the lack of love if they are not being dealt with as God intends us to deal with these. Verse 7 says this, Woe to the world because of offenses. Oh, yes. Woe to the world because of offenses. That means each and every one of us, all of us, he's saying, hey, woe to you guys. This is difficult stuff. For offenses must come. In Luke 17, it says they will come, guaranteed. Here it says they must come. But woe to the man by whom the offense comes. So this is back a couple of weeks ago. You can listen to that message, verse eight. Again, this is remember, this is Jesus talking. This isn't Pastor Jason, okay? If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Like whoa, Pastor Jay, what are you saying this morning? I saw, I'm reading what Jesus said. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Well, this is what Jesus says: If your hand or your foot causes you sin, cut it off and cast it far from you. For it is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed, maimed, rather than to have two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Oh, this is difficult stuff. And Jesus is speaking this direct to us and to his disciples because he understands the power of sin. He understands offenses. He understands the challenges that are out there that we have to say. We have to make a commitment to walk with the Lord through his Holy Spirit in the sanctification process to move us from here to there. Because he doesn't want us to stay right here. I always say this, the goal is whole. The goal is whole. And when we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if anybody told you your road map for life was just going to get easy peasy pie, they were not telling you the truth. Because the walk with Jesus is to shed things, to break things, to change things, to be repentant of things that we used to do because the old is gone and the new has come. So this is tough stuff. Verse 9, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. So is Jesus talking about this literally? Is he like, you know, are we supposed to be gouging our eyes out? No, I think what he's trying to understand explain to us is the importance of this to understand like we said last week how we related you know we have these sin sin categories do we not we talked about this a little bit last week we got the major sins murder adultery and then we have the rest of the sins which maybe aren't quite as bad in our own minds like maybe gossip maybe unforgiveness I think what Jesus is saying here is, what if we treated gossip like adultery? What if we treated unforgiveness like murder? And that that sin, and we see it as a sin, and we need to say, Lord, Lord you need to help me with this. Right? If we went and murdered someone, we would be crying for help. Lord, help me. I can't believe that happened. But when we sit... In unforgiveness, we don't typically always have that attitude. What I think Jesus is just making us very aware that it's super important that we understand this. And he says this because he knows the pain and hurt that comes from it. And he's leading us somewhere. We'll skip down to verse 15. In between the verse that we ended in, verse 9 there and 15, he's talking about the you know the lost sheep going after the one. But in 15 says, moreover, so he's talking about sin, he's talking about these difficult things about reconciliation with your brother, uh, the one that's out there, you know, going out to get us. says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. For if he hears you, you have gained your brother. Look at that. Moreover, if, when... <laughs> Your brother, another fellow believer, a sister in the Lord, a brother in the Lord, sins against you. Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Here's what just jumped out at me. You know, a lot of times we think of, you know, forgiveness. Like, man, I messed up. I need to go to apologize to my wife. I said something I shouldn't have. I did something I shouldn't have. And a lot of times, right, we live our lives like that. We repent. We ask for forgiveness. We say, I'm not going to do that anymore. We go do that. Jesus is not talking about that. You're like, wait, what are you talking about? It says more of it. If if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. Wait a second. You mean... If someone sinned against me, I am the one who has to go to them? And I think we always think like this reconciliation process is always the person who did the sin is the one who's going to begin instituting or implementing this reconciliation process. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying it's the one who was sinned against has also a response, not, he's not abdicating the responsibility of the other person who did the sin, but he's saying "Is you, the one who got sinned against you, the one who someone came and brought an offense and you took it, or it hit you, it hurt you. You're the one who's supposed to go and begin initiating at the same time. You're like, wait a second, I can't believe this. He is saying if someone who has sinned against you, gossiped against you, told a lie about you, You're the one who has to go for this reconciliation. Verse 16, it says this, But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. I'm going to get through the whole process of reconciliation here in a little bit. So basically you go and talk to that person. If it doesn't work, you go with two or three others is what the Bible is calling here as a witness, someone who maybe knows the situation, could be a neutral party. Verse 17, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, I don't know how many of you are walking through the reconciliation process right now, but no one has come to us and said, hey, you know what, I've been trying to reconcile with so-and-so in the church And then I went again with another fellow believer and I still tried to reconcile with that person and it didn't work. And now I'm coming to you, Pastor Jason and Pastor Liz, for help in this reconciliation process. Three years, never happened. So either we're all really good at this or we're all avoiding this thing like it's nobody's business. I'm leaning towards maybe the the latter because I know that is my tendency. I don't want to go reconcile with someone who hurt me. They hurt me, and now the Bible's telling me i got to go to them. Come on. How am I supposed to go do that? We're going to get to that in a minute, how to do that. It says, Assuredly, I say to you. So this is, this is incredible. So let me finish verse 17. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you as a heathen and a tax collector. That means if you're working through this and it's not working... You've done what the Lord has asked you to go do. Verse 18 says this, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will also be loosed in heaven. Now, church, we're we're a faith church. And we use this scripture a lot, right? I mean, this is like primary prayer, warrior scripture type stuff. We are loosing things that need loose. We are binding things that need bound. And there's value in that. And that is absolutely something we do in our prayer time. And we're, and we're, like, we're praying as prayer warriors. But Jesus uses this verse in the context of what? Reconciliation. You're like, whoa. Are you kidding me? He sees this as so important. That it, what he's basically showing is that when you come together... And that two of you come together and bind that thing that broke you apart or loose that thing that made a a riff in your relationship that the power of God gets released in that situation to bring healing and wholeness and reconciliation that you could not do on your own. When I read this, I was just like, wait a second. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the spiritual realm. So verse 19, he just basically hits it home even further. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Whatever two of you are coming together. Think about that. There's a break in a relationship. Two people coming together to reconcile. And when they come and reconcile, the power of God is in that transaction. And that they together then combine the thing, or loose the thing, whatever's needed, on the situation that caused the rift between them. And that when they're standing together, whatever they are praying for ends up happening. Wait a second, I just thought that means I could describe a fellow believer. No, what, he's, what the God is saying is that unity in the church is so important. Unity between the believers is so important that I will release my miracle-working power to bind things, to loose things, so that those two, when they come together in reconciliation, can have what they pray for. Anybody more excited about trying to reconcile now than you were earlier? Yeah, come on, we, we ought to be. And so often in our life we ask the Lord, this, this isn't happening, this isn't happening. And we ask, Lord, I've been praying about this, why isn't this happening? Many times it's because he is asking you to go do something to help release the power of God in a reconciliation process that we are refusing to go do. Verse 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. There's power in unity. Miracles happen when there's unity. Verse 21 then says this. So Peter, you know, everybody loves Peter, right? Peter's a, we love Peter in the Bible. He's always asking questions. He's always cutting people's ears off, right? He's always, not always, you know. I should never use always. That was part of the one message, right? Don't use always or never. Okay. A lot of times, Peter is doing, like us, right? We're all, sometimes we get a little ex- excitable. So as Peter came to him and said, Lord, how, how often do I got to do this? Like, this process seems difficult and painful. Like, maybe like once or twice. Is this, do I just have to do this periodically? Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How should I do it? Up to seven times? Right, he, so he even puts it out there, like you know what, like seven's a stretch for me right now, right? I know that's what he's thinking, like like John over here, what? Like I don't know who he's talking about at the moment. Another, is like, do I really need to? I really need to do this? Like even seven times? That's, that'd be like once a day for a week, or maybe once a week for like a month and a half. Like how could I possibly do that this many times? And Jesus says to him. Mm, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. And I know we all do the math 490 times, but essentially what Jesus was referencing, and they understood what he was saying, is it's forever. It's infinity. It's eternity. You have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. The seven times seven, the Lord's perfect number, means it's ongoing. It's a constant way in which we have to walk. I think sometimes we have to be the ones who initiate it because there's a lot of times people didn't know that they did something to hurt you. Come on, church. Jesus is encouraging you, the one who got hurt, to go to the other person because there's a good chance they did something and they didn't realize they do it. Or they said something and they didn't mean it that way, but you took it that way. And if you never, ever go, that person sits there and has no idea why you are so ticked off at them all the time. They're like, What's going on with that person? So and so doesn't seem to like me. And they never know what they did. They're asking, Did I ever do something to offend them? I don't know. That's why Jesus says the one who got offended is the one who has to go initiate. You are the one who were sinned against. But you can't go in anger. You can't go with the heart of revenge. I'm going to show them what they did to me. Mm, they're going to pay. Yeah? Just like parenting, right? You can't go discipline your children when you're angry. I mean, you can. But you shouldn't. Because we say and do things when you're in anger that you then have to go back and apologize for later anyway. So how do we go and Reconcile. There's a few steps we have to go do before anything else. Number one, dress yourself in humility. You're like, oh, no, 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 no. You mean there are things that I have to do before I can even go reconcile? The reconciliation process is going to be hard enough. Let alone, Pastor Jason, the Bible says things that I have to go do in preparation for reconciliation. Yes says, dress yourself in humility. 1 Peter 5 says this. Likewise, verse 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in or with humility. Clothed with humility. That means you need to get dressed. When I said put your big boy and big girl pants on, I'm talking about your humble pants. I'm not talking about the skinny jeans. I'm not talking about any type of actual clothing. I'm talking about your humble pants. If you are going to work through a reconciliation process, you need to humble yourself before the Lord before you start this process. Why is this so important? For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He actually resists it. If you try to begin the reconciliation process with pride, I know better. I'm going to tell that person what's going on, what is, what for, all that stuff. God actually resists it. It actually will not lead to reconciliation because God the Father and all of his power and all of that is actually resisting you. And guess what? You're not more powerful than God. So if he... Yeah, what? Theological, no, so you have to understand, if he's resisting you, good luck with that. Yeah, right, I mean, it's like, good luck with that. Like, so he's actively resisting you, but he gives grace to the humble. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, in his timing, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Think about that. There's cares that you hold on to, in even post reconciliation, but less, during, as you're working through trying to reconcile. Right? It's like, Ugh, stressful, it's painful. He's saying, humble yourself, cast that to me along with everything else, but in this case, cast those things to me because he cares for you. Then he says this in verse 8 be sober, be vigilant. Vigilant, I like that word. Because your adversary, the devil, the enemy, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If God is resisting you because you're prideful and you don't want to go reconcile, do you see what you're putting yourselves at risk at? The enemy's got his eyes on you. Hmm. That person is walking in pride, doesn't want to do certain things as the Bible is come You're actually putting yourself at risk. And it says, seeking whom you may devour, verse 9, resist him, so we have to resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You ain't alone on this. You're not alone on this. But he goes after the one who was isolated. And when you don't have a reconciliation, you end up being isolated. Pride is a major obstacle to admitting that we're offended. We all say things like, well, I'm tough. I can make it through. I can get this through on my own. Pride keeps us focused and relying on our own strength to handle painful situations instead of trusting in and leaning on God. So we have to dress ourselves in humility. Point two, we have to exercise our soul and spirit. So not only do I got to get dressed, I got to go to the gym. Yeah, I know some of you hate going to the gym. I'm talking about working out. Exercise your soul and spirit. Acts 24.16 says this. This being so, I myself always strive. Also the word is used exercise there in other translations. To have a conscience without offense towards God and men. This is work. We have to work at this Is exercise. Exercise is this definition. Exertion made for the sake of training or physical fitness. For a task or a problem done to practice a developed skill. We have to actually work at this. It generally means it signifies to take pains, endeavor, to exercise by training or discipline. How many know sometimes it's painful to work out? I, I, you know, I almost want to say it's, it feels like if it's not painful, it's probably not working. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I guess it's, I mean, there's some value, but Paul says it, right? There's some value to working out, but, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute. But some, it has to be pain. It has to exercise. If you don't challenge your muscles and exercise yourself in this, you're not going to be able to, right? And your muscles only grow by putting tension on them and straining them so we have to exercise our soul and our spirit well how do we do this i'm going to skip to isaiah 40 verse 29 it says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might he increases strength so first of all guess what guys we can trust him then we say that in the beginning we can trust him he is our exercise partner hallelujah I've seen some exercise partners, yeah? You've seen the ones who are like yelling at you, like the personal trainers, like, you know, screaming at you and say, get down and give me another one. Put on 10 more pounds on that barbell, let's go. Right? It's not God is a little more gentle when it comes to us and working out. It's because he understands that we're weak and we need him to help us through this process. And to those who have no might, he increases strength, verse 30. But even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. All the youth, the young people, we think that they've are so they got all this strength. It says, but those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It doesn't say how old you have to be. Old, young, doesn't matter. We have to wait On the Lord exercising our spirit and soul means waiting on the Lord what do you mean by waiting on the Lord I mean abiding with him reading his word praying worshiping fasting all these things we ought to be doing in preparation for the reconciliation process all of this stuff has to be done in advance of the reconciliation process it says in Psalm 27, 13, it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your hearts. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. That, what does that look like? Time with him, time in the word, praising him, thanksgiving. Point three, one more point before we get to reconciliation Check your vital signs. We got nurses in here. Yep. Got medical professionals in here. I see you all smiling at me. I know each and every one of you guys. You guys know how to check the vital signs, don't you? Right? You check for the pulse. You check the blood pressure. You check are they breathing? You're checking all the vital signs. Well, we, before we walk into reconciliation, we need to check our own vital signs. What does that mean? Second Corinthians 13, five, it says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? Examine yourself. Test yourself. Check your words. What are the words that are coming out of your mouth regarding the person that you are planning to go and reconcile with? The other thing we need to do is check our heart. What is really in our heart regarding that person? And part of getting ready to reconcile is building our heart up towards that person in a positive, godly way. And how do we do that? By praying for them. Yeah, I said it. They hu- Wait a second, Pastor Jason. They hurt me I got to put on this humility. I got to put on all my big boy pants, all my big girl pants. I need to go to the gym and work out and exercise, and I got to pray for them. Yes. Yes. And it can be the most simplest prayer to get you. Like, look, you don't got to get on your knees in your prayer closet for three hours and praying for the person who hurt you. It can be as simple as a, I just want you to start somewhere, Lord. Lesson. if that's all you can get out that's a good start and I would encourage you even before reconciliation that for 30 days you work on just praying for that person before you even reach out to them amazing how your heart will change and be transformed towards that person when you take 30 days and begin praying for that person And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit will work on the inside of you and the prayer that you pray on day 30 will be far different than the prayer you prayed on day one. Because all you could get out on day one is, Lord bless him. You know, with the clenched fists and the... Your jaw hurts after even just saying those few words because you're so tight. But when you begin to pray for someone, God begins to soften your heart towards them and God begins to have a you begin to look through a different lens towards that person. And these are the things we have to do prior we check our heart, prior to even going into the reconciliation. Next step number 4 is we need to then seek the reconciliation. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, "Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God we're pleading through us." We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It takes two to reconcile. You guys remember that song, It Takes Two? I'm not going to sing it. That's like an old rap song. It's probably a terrible song. It takes two to make a thing go right. Right? So this is probably, don't research that song. Don't YouTube it. Definitely don't watch the video for it. Because I'm pretty sure it's not good. Like, Pastor Jason just told me to go listen to this song, It Takes Two. It's, it's not good. It's talking about something else. It's certainly not talking about reconciliation. Why did I say all that? I have no idea. Oh, because like, it takes two. Because one can forgive. And you can forgive. We talked about that last week, how to work through that process of forgiveness. It's hard and it's difficult. It takes one to forgive, but it takes two to reconcile. It takes both parties to reconcile. So what does that look like? Pray. Pray, 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 pray. Then I encourage you to contact that person. Contact them. Reach out to them. Meet with that person. I would encourage you to do it kind of in a, a safe space. Do it maybe at lunch, out to to breakfast somewhere, over coffee somewhere, in a public place. But before you go in, after you've been praying for 30 days and got yourself in humility and working through checking your heart, John Bevere calls it bringing an atmosphere of goodness. Bringing an atmosphere of goodwill to the meeting, to the discussion. You actively bring something with you. It's called an atmosphere of goodness. And what do we mean by that? It means prepare to meet them in a posture of humility this is not about reminding them of the wrong they have done to you, rather going into the meeting apologetically taking ownership of the things that you've done, and what you may be said about them because they hurt you, and you being the first one to apologize. Mm, I hear a lot of the groans now. "Oh man, I wish I would have walked out when he gave me the chance.) He gave me the chance. I didn't move on it. We go to them and asking them for forgiving us for our bitterness, for us even taking the offense, for talking bad about them, for holding on to the offense. You don't have to go into this process but laboring on what they did to you, but you go in with an atmosphere of goodness, with an atmosphere of humility, and say, will you forgive me for what I've done? It's amazing, and this is why it's with other believers. Like, look, you can be, a, like, some of us have been recently offended by government officials. I'm just saying, right? A lot of us have been offended lately by government I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about you setting up a meeting with your government officials. I'm talking about brothers and sisters. I'm talking about the church here. I'm talking about us reconciling with each other to bring what? Unity to the body of Christ so miracles can occur, so things can happen in your life, so forgiveness and pain and issues and bitterness can be broken in your life. This is important. Like we said earlier, if that didn't work, when you go one-to-one, you bring someone along. And honestly, pray about it. Holy Spirit, lead. There are situations where this is not the right process to go work through. I don't know your situation. I don't know what type of maybe abuse or something happened, or this is a, a process where you maybe need to take somebody on the first meeting. This is not like this is exactly how it should go for every situation. So be led by the Holy Spirit and understand how the Lord wants you to operate here. The last one is pursue peace. Jake, if you want to come up here and give me a little m- mood music as we close. Lighten the load a little. Pursue peace. Hebrews twelve fourteen says this. Pursue peace with all people. All people. That means the ones who hurt you the ones who offended you, and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. <gasps> do you mean that me reconciling and pursuing peace with someone who hurt me actually shows Jesus to the world? That's what that scripture says to me. It means it's actually something that the Lord wants us to do. So It's so powerful, it's like sharing the gospel message. It's like sharing it. Look at that. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursuing this peace actually opens people's eyes to things. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. We have to pursue peace. We have to pursue peace because the opposite of it is getting rooted in bitterness. And how many of you know if you stand too long in one place, you begin to build roots there. And we want to stand on the Word of God. We want to stand in unity. But when we stand in bitterness and an unforgiveness and a lack of reconciliation, we begin to stand into a place where we begin to build roots and not the ones that we want to build because once a root is established it's a lot harder to move. We we'll close with this verse. Romans 12:18. If it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men. As we do our best to mend broken relationships. God will honor our efforts. God's in this process. This is his process, not mine. It's a biblical process, not a TED Talk to make better friends or to influence people. This is a biblical mandate. That are, dare I say the word mandate? Oh, did he just say mandate? And didn't follow with the word Ah, Right? Yes, he did. It's something in the Bible that says we need to go do this. Because God loves us. And he cares about us. And he wants unity within the body. So bow your heads with me this morning. Just listen as I say this. This may come as a shock to you, but Jesus never told us to pray for our mom and dad. He said, honor your parents. He didn't even tell us to pray for those who love and treat us well. He challenges us to pray for those who have mistreated us. Over and over, Jesus says, pray for those who have hurt you. This is not easy to do, but by the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe we can do it. So, Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. Lord, we know reconciliation is hard, but it's of you. So, Lord, we just ask that you help us to dress ourselves in humility, to help us as we exercise our soul and our spirit. Father, through your Holy Spirit, reveal to us our vital signs so that we can be prepared to reconcile. And Father, help us to pursue peace in every way and every day. Father, help us today by the power of your Holy Spirit to do what is impossible or on our own that we can only do with you. So, Father, I pray now for relationships that need reconciled. Lord, that you would help us, lead us, and guide us through this process. That as we see, that as we do it, the fruit that comes out of it, that will only make it easier the next time. So, Father, we thank you for it in your precious name. Amen. With every head bowed and every... I close still. Say, Pastor Jason, this is all great stuff. But man, I just don't have a relationship with this God you're talking about. I've never made that decision. I've never received that gift that you were talking about earlier. The gift of salvation. The gift of the actual, ultimate reconciliation with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son, and what He did on the cross. If that's you this morning, if you've never made that decision, you can make it today. Just slip your hand up. I'll see your hand. Anyone here today says, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Okay, that's all right. Look up here. we got some prayer teams that are going to come up to the front. I know it's a little bit late today, but that's okay. If you need prayer for anything come up here. Healing, relationship, just even helped on this reconciliation. Lord, I need, know I need to do something. Lord, help me. Just come up here. These guys will pray with you this morning. And I'm going to read this benediction as you guys leave today. 1 Thessalonians 3. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We trust in you and you alone. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Hopefully I'll see you Friday night at the conference. Don't forget. If you are signing up for the dedication, we need your name info today along with the email on your photos. That's it. Have a great week.